Merry Christmas. It's great to welcome you here to Apex Gathering this Christmas Eve. We trust that you, your friends and your family will have a very special time of celebration this year. Isaiah the prophet, who we have been studying of late, said to the royal household of Judah that a sign would be given to them. Perhaps at the time, the sign was seen in temporal terms, in terms that people understood then, because Isaiah recently had lost his wife, and although he had children, it was clear to him that God was calling him to marry again, and so he found a new young bride, and she would have a baby. But of course, there was a deeper significance to this prophecy that he gave to the people of Israel. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And of course, Christmas is a time when we remember God coming to be with us, born as a child, the Son of God incarnate among us. The Word becomes flesh, full of grace and truth, and from His grace we have received grace upon grace. And perhaps at this time it's understandable that there are a good deal of sentiments surrounding this time, memories, joyful times in the past, maybe even memories of hard times that we've known in this Christmas tide. But know that something is for sure and for truth at this time. God is with us, and God is with us in a particular way. Sometimes when I'm talking to people in coffee shops and around the town, they'll say to me, well, if God is with us, why all the pain? Why all the suffering? It is a truth. It's a scriptural truth. It's a, it's a biblical certainty that God is with us. But if God is with us, why is he not doing anything? Why is it that in the midst of people's suffering, God's accompaniment doesn't include a change in circumstance? What is it? What is it about God that he can be with us and appear to do so little. Well, of course, to answer that question, we have to dig deeper into what it means for God to be with us. And we have to dig deeper into what it means to understand God from the perspective that he has revealed himself, because God has revealed himself as love, 
Ah, you say. Well, if he is love, then surely his love would be greater than my love, and my love would certainly do something if I was God about the terrible things that are happening in the world. Well, perhaps that is true of you. But here is something that is also true about love. Love always seeks a relationship with the person that is loved. And a relationship is not a true relationship unless that relationship is built on freedom and trust. To love someone means that you must give them freedom to love you in return. To love someone means that you must give them the freedom to trust you in your love for them. And God, who is love, is one who will never coerce anyone. God is more powerful. But love is the greatest attribute. And because he's seeking a relationship with us, he wants us to understand that the return of the relationship, the relationship of freedom and trust, is the most important thing that he values. And in that relationship of freedom and trust, things begin to change. They change from the inside out. Because God hears the invitation of trust. He'll never coerce. He'll, he'll never force himself on anyone. But once he hears the invitation of trust, then he will enter into the circumstances and begin to change things. And when he hears that that trust is being freely given and freely underlined and returned to him, he will know that he is free to begin changing the things that need to be changed. God is with us, but God is not a bully. God is not a dominating presence. God is not a tyrant. God is love, and he seeks your trust and he's given you freedom in your very nature to be able to return his love to him. But there's more than this, you see, because God being love means that he wants to build a relationship with you. He wants that relationship to be built on trust and freedom like all relationships. Everybody knows this. This is something that is, that is patently obvious to every person in this room, every person online. There is no genuine relationship without freedom and trust. And that's the way that God designed it. And that's the way he wants it for you and me. But there's more in this relationship that he seeks to reveal. There's something still more that he wants to say at Christmas, 
Yes, he is Emmanuel. Yes, he has come to demonstrate his commitment to be with us by becoming a human being, by going through all of the difficulties and privations of the life of Jesus, by suffering and dying, by taking our part and by carrying our sin. But here's another thing that God wants you to hear. He's always with you, but he's close to you in particular circumstances. The Bible says God is with us. And the whole story of Scripture is demonstrated in the person of Jesus. And that reveals to us the way in which God chooses to be with us. He chooses to come to us and invite us into a relationship with him. But there is in the life of Jesus something that is demonstrated that has been articulated many hundreds of years before. Because David, the psalmist, out of his own experience, says this. God is close to some people. And you say, yeah, I, say, I knew it. He's close to the religious people. He's close to the people who keep their promises. He's close to the people who perhaps have had better chances than others to keep their vows to God. He's close to those kinds of people. Close to people Perhaps, like me, who've studied the Bible. But God says this. I'm close to the brokenhearted. I'm with everyone. But I'm close to the brokenhearted. Jesus came to Israel. He was with his people. But he was close to the brokenhearted, to the leper, to the woman who had no hope, to the man captive to the powers of darkness, to the blind, to the cripple, to the poor. God is close to the brokenhearted. And you say, well, does that mean that my circumstances have to get worse for God to be close to me? No. I'm a privileged white male. It couldn't get better than it gets for me. But God is close to me because I know I'm brokenhearted. Because when I, I look within, I know that it, it doesn't all cohere. It doesn't all fit together. It doesn't, it doesn't all make sense all the time. And I know that I'm unable to do the things that I want to do. 
The things that I want to do, I, I can't do. The things, that, the things that I don't want to do, I do. I know what it's like to be brokenhearted, to feel as though you're never quite making the grade, never quite living up to your own expectations. You see, that's the definition of brokenheartedness. A person that knows that they need more and they can't supply it themselves. If you're brokenhearted tonight, if you know you need more and you can't supply that need yourself, then God is close to you tonight. If in that recognition you can feel what it is that David describes, you can feel as though the pressure and the weight of that causes you to long for God to do something, for God to change your life, for God to change the world, for, for God to, to do something amazing. If you, like the person that David describes, are brokenhearted, but you feel the brokenheartedness so that you're crushed in your spirit, you feel as though this life that I live is a life that will never attain to the goodness and the glory that I long for. Then David says this, God is not only close to you, but he'll save you. He's close to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. It's when we recognize that we are those people that everything changes. It's when we recognize that we are those people that are broken, that are crushed. That God being there moves to God being close to us. So, what's the message for this Christmas? The message is this. If you know that you're brokenhearted, if you know that the desire of your life is unfulfilled and cannot be fulfilled by your own effort, by your own striving, that you need the assistance of God, then God will be close to you and offer you salvation. Salvation bought at the high price of a God whose love meant that he suffered. He suffered when he knew that his children, Adam and Eve, had left him. He suffered when he knew that they would not return to him without him going to find them. He suffered when he called a people to himself who he loved and demonstrated kindness to who rejected him. He suffered when he knew that the world was headlong committed to its own destruction. He suffered 
when he chose to become a human being and not simply retain the glories of heaven. He suffered when he came among us and was despised, rejected, and hated. He suffered when he prayed, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And he suffered on the cross for all the brokenhearted, for all the crushed in spirit, and for every other person who does not as yet realize that that's who they are. This Christmas, God loves you. God stands with you. And if you recognize your need of him, he's close to you. And if this Christmas, you'll realize that because he loves you, he's offering you a relationship where you make the choice to trust him. Then everything changes. And it changes from the inside to the outside. And it changes so that now you become tender-hearted towards the other broken people. And no longer do you retreat to your religious ivory towers, but now you reach out and find the other broken, the others who are crushed. This Christmas could be a transformative Christmas for you, your family, for Dayton, the world, if we allowed his love to enter in and change us. Let's pray.